Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace. I'm Manny. And this is your Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters spotlight for Friday, May 21st. So we're talking about the third prelude issue, which is the actual Bounty Hunters, the Star Wars Bounty Hunters series, which is up to uh, issue 12. Um, And I sort of felt like this was the weakest of the offerings that we've gotten so far from these War of the Bounty Hunter preludes. And not, not necessarily because it's like technically a bad issue or written poorly or any of that, but this one is much harder to follow if you haven't been reading the the series all along, as opposed to the the Star Wars Worthy Bounty Hunters uh, Alpha Prelude, which was like brand new, like brand new, right? But I mean, if you've seen the Star Wars movies, you're bringing knowledge into it, and it ties into the movies, and you're fine. You didn't really have to know much more than that. Kind of the same thing with the Star Wars issue. You know, we see C-3PO and Chewbacca and uh, and Luke Skywalker and then uh, Shagwa, Shagwa, whatever his name was, who I, I hadn't seen before, but I guess he was in uh, the Han Solo movie. Mm-hmm. But least, oh, they were all, yeah, they're all, so they're all familiar characters. Mm-hmm. To my knowledge, um, with the exception of Bosk, who doesn't even show up in this series, actually, in this issue, rather, um, this Bounty Hunter series, it doesn't have a lot of characters that that showed up in the movies. Well, Bib Fortuna shows up here or there, um, and Bosk has shown up, and Boba Fett, obviously. Um, but the main character is somebody who appeared, apparently, way back in 1979 in the Star Wars comic, like the official comic, the Marvel one that ran for 100-and-something issues, and... He uh, he was a out and out bad guy back then, and they've sort of brought him back and, and updated him, and, and he's the main character of the Star Wars Bounty Hunters uh, title, and his name's uh, Valence or Valence, and he he's basically the star of the show here. But I picked this book up on Wednesday and I read it, and I gotta admit I was I was kind of lost, and it felt like a little bit of a chore to get through because I didn't know. I didn't have any context for any of the characters and know any of these characters are. So it made the issue more difficult to read. I didn't, I don't know. I just didn't enjoy it as much on that initial read. So what were your thoughts, Manny? Well, the thing is, since I'm not, I wasn't familiar with the characters and I, I assume so that it was because of the fact that they were in the, the other, the, the main title books was the fact that, I don't know. I felt it was really choppy at times, the, the way it went back and forth from, from past to present and with that, and then not kind of knowing the the players as well as, as the other books so far, it, it really took me out of the, the, what was going on. And yeah, kind of like you, I think the best way to describe it is, is it was a, it felt like a chore. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought that up, the, the choppiness of it, the pacing, because it does bounce back and forth in the narrative. Um, and I never like when they do do that, um, mm. the way it's done here without, you know, because of the style of art. It used to be back in the day in comics, if it was a flashback, the panels on the page would have rounded corners, and that's how you'd know, hey, this is a flashback. Mm. They don't really do that anymore, but sometimes they'll change the coloring 
or they'll have a different artist or something like that. They don't do any of that here. So yeah, it makes it, it makes it tough to, you know, like you're like, okay, wait a second. Now I'm, I'm flashing back. Okay. Let me give me a second to, uh, to understand that. Right. But what I found was be, because I, it was so choppy because I didn't feel like I got that much out of it. I said, you know what? I want to know who, who this balance guy is. Like, was he, I mean, it's the name of the title is Star Wars Bounty Hunter. So what exactly is this title about? Like, is it just about Vainlands? Is it about other bounty hunters? Like, what what is going on? So because I'm such a huge Lee Bermejo fan, I had bought, like, almost all the issues of this because when they first came out, they had Lee Bermejo covers. So I bought, like, the first eight issues and... I, you know, I had those. So I'm like, you know what, in preparation, let me, let me read those issues. I bought them. Let me actually get some value out of them. Let me actually read some comics I bought. I know crazy idea and see if I can then, you know, get caught up and pull something out of, of these issues. So I read one through eight that I had. Uh, and then nine, 10, 11, I had preview copies of. So I read those. And then I went back and read this. And then I, I kind of understood a lot more. I got so much more out of it. It was more enjoyable. I still think it's the weakest of the three, but I don't think it's as much of a chore. Um, it actually, actually, because I struggled to get through it the first time and it felt like it took me forever to read it. And then after having all the background and being familiar with the characters and just how fast the, the, like the, this entire title is, is paced very quickly. Like it, it almost too quickly. There's almost gaps that he's, that uh, Ethan Sachs, the writer skips over. Um, so actually this, I was like, was this, I read this again and I read it so quickly, granted it's my second time reading it, but with all that context, I felt like, man, that was 22 pages already. That went really fast. Um, but one thing to note is that th that uh, story structure of him flashing back and forth from events in the past to the events that are present um, and not really differentiating in any way he does that throughout the entire series. So you just kind of get used to it at, at one point. And as long as you're paying attention, you can kind of get the hang of it. But I agree with you, man. It was, a, it was a chore to read um, the first time. So uh, let me go ahead and share my screen and we will go ahead and start uh, flipping through the, the issue here. So really cool cover. Um, if you're not aware, so this is, this is Valence's like cybernetic eye, which is looking at Han Solo. And obviously it says target solo on there. So that's, uh, that's one thing to be, uh, kind of aware of is, is that that's what that is. Um, the, uh, the writers, Ethan Sachs on the second page here, um, Paulo, Vianella is the artist. Arif Prianto does the colors. Travis Lanham on letters. Uh, cover artist is Matteo de Iluis. So it's it's a pretty cool cover. We and we have the kind of the recap here. Cyborg bounty hunter Va Valence recently rescued a stranded rebel freighter from marauding pirates. Dengar, who's this guy here, uh, let it slip that the notorious bounty hunter Fett captured Valence's old friend Han Solo. The two rival hunters have come to an understanding in order to find Fett. Valence now tears through space in a stolen vessel, desperate to pick up the trail before it's too late. So there is, uh, and I'll talk about it. I'm going to drop a lot of kind of background as we go through this, because I think there might be a lot of people that are sort of in the same boat that many and I were, were in, where we didn't have a lot of background into this 
uh, particular story. So as we look at the, the first page, uh, we see that uh, Valence and Dengar, they're in this stolen ship. They're on their way to Nar Shaddaa, which we know is kind of the, the smuggler's moon where uh, Boba Fett had most recently been, uh, where um, Han Solo's body and case in carbonite actually got stolen. So these guys don't trust each other at all. In, under normal circumstances, they would be enemies, and they're kind of forced together. And again, this is things that have happened in the, from the previous three issues or so of, of Star Wars Bounty Hunters. So um, we kind of start to understand throughout the course of this issue what each of them is, is after. Obviously, Valence is, you know, the, there's a, a line later in the book about him being obsessed with Han Solo, but uh, Valence has his own sort of uh, plans, if you will. So um, Dengar's in this scene is, is saying, hey, do, do you even have a plan? Like, we're just going to show up to uh, Nar Shaddaa to take on Boba Fett without a plan. And Valence is like, I do have a plan. Find Fett, get Solo, kill Fett. And Dengar's like, ah, not a real deep thinker, are you? So Dengar's or uh, Valence is like, hey, if you don't like it, you know where the airlock is, buddy. Have, have a nice walk. Um, why do you want to come along anyway? And that's when Dengar, he's kind of keeping his cards close to the vest. And he says, you know, I have, have my reasons. So uh, what we see on the, uh, on the following page is uh, for the first time, uh, anybody who's reading Star Wars Bounty Hunters uh, is really going to, st- uh, or I should say uh, War of the Bounty Hunters is really going to f- start to feel lost because this is where I started to feel lost like okay i get those two guys are going after they could just be regular bounty hunters but then these guys pop up on the screen and don't know who they are and they're talking about some girl uh cadelia and so this goes all the way back to the very beginning of the star wars bounty hunters series so basically just to give a real quick and dirty the whole star wars bounty hunter series starts on um the home planet of uh, of han solo Corellia, i think is how you say it. Um, and basically a bunch, a whole team of bounty hunters, including Valence and Bosch, Bosk, um, Boba Fett, and uh, another guy called Tongar, and uh, another woman bounty hunter. I can't remember what her name was. Um, Lash is her, is her last name. But they were all hired to escort this heir of one of the biggest crime families in the galaxy, he hired them, paid them a ton of credits to take him to a certain place to assassinate somebody. And so they all go, you know, they all, it's, it's all their mission to go and do this. Well, come to find out the guy is going to assassinate the daughter of the other largest crime family in the galaxy because he's got her pregnant. So it's kind of like a Romeo and Juliet thing. But he knows this this heir to this male heir to this crime family knows that if his family finds out that he was romantically involved with the heir to the other crime family, that that he's going to get killed. He's no longer going to be the heir. And so he hired this group of bounty hunters to go and escort him there so he could kill her and his unborn child. And uh, the bounty hunter Lash, when she sees this, she kills him uh, and the whole mission goes sideways. Uh that guy's clan, that guy's crime family is now after Lash and in turn everybody who was on that mission, 
uh, Tongar gets killed. Um, you know, this crime family's after Bosk, they're after Boba Fett, they're after Valence, they're after Lash. And so the rest of them for a long time, and this happened many years ago, the rest of them for a long time, they're all after Lash as well because they want revenge for Lash. You know, they don't they didn't know. They were all kind of guarding the perimeter, and Lash was the one that took the guy in and, and stopped him from killing this woman and her unborn child. And Lash actually took the uh, the woman with her, rescued her. She died in childbirth, and Lash was kind of protecting this girl. And so that's the girl that these two guys are talking about. Uh, for Alome and Zuckus. And Zuckus is a bounty hunter. He's the one that... Um, these guys are they're kind of the same species sort of but one of them has has like a cybernetic body and the other one is still kind of organic and the organic one he has a little bit of precog so he can kind of get glimpses of the future so they're after Vanlix because they've been hired by one of the crime families to go find this girl Cadelia because technically as she's the heir from the male and the female from these two diff different families, she can actually unite the clans. And so there's certain people that want to keep her safe because it'll stop this bloody gang war that's been going on between these two crime families. Well, there's one of the leaders of the families knows that she's going to be replaced, that the rightful heir is going to come and replace her. So she wants this girl dead. And so that's why she's she's paying um, Zuckus and Foralom to go and hunt down Valence and find this girl. And the reason Valence has the girl is because he found Lash and Lash explained what happened. And although Lash was killed, he, he took the girl under his care, um, but then sent her off to hide with the rebel Alliance because he knew that this girl, uh, Cadelia would be safer with the rebel Alliance than with him. So, uh, Zuckus and Foralome, they actually cornered, Valence at one point and Valence paid him off to let him go. And, and he, they gave him like 24 hours or 48 hours or something. Um, and then they said, we're going to start hunting you again, but you have like a two day grace period. So he's able to get away. So that's why these guys are saying, uh, okay, your head starts up. We're back to get you. Where's the girl, right? That's what they want to know. Where's the girl. Um, they've got to find her. And that's, that's where, where, where they're, um, kind of what their motivations are. So yeah, if you hadn't read any of the previous bounty hunter stuff, you read that and you just don't know what the hell they're talking about. So they start firing on the, the ship that uh, Denegar and Valence are in. And uh, Dengar is like, dude, just give them what they want. And, and uh, Valence is like, no, I'll die before that happens. And again, showing that Dengar and Valence aren't, aren't friends. They're not uh, allies or whatever. You know, he's like, look, no amount of credits is worth me dying. He puts a gun to Vance's head. And this is where he says, uh, you know what? Better you die than I die. Your obsession with Solo is making you reckless. Why is that guy so important to you anyway? Like, why is Han Solo so important to you? Like, Dengar's like, give these guys what they want, you know? Let's go fulfill our mission. Whatever they want is irrelevant. doesn't have anything to do with me. That's where Dengar's kind of... Uh, kind of where his head is at. And so when uh, when Dengar asks Valence that question, again, we get one of these flashbacks. And it does say, uh, to their credit, it does say then. So, <clears throat> but we don't have any context of how Valence got here. Obviously, he's cybernetic already. Um, you know, he is 
it's a big thing with him that he's actually more man than machine, kind of like Vader. And uh, there's a lot of self-hatred there. And, and when he first appeared in the Star Wars comic way back when, his, uh, his objective was just to kill droids. Uh, he didn't like droids. And in fact, it's kind of a thing still now that he, he says all the time in, in the course of the book and the series, like, man, I hate droids. Like droids annoy him. Um, and it's, it's kind of that self-hatred, right? He hates that he's mechanical, so he hates anything mechanical. But anyway, back then on, on the spaceport, um, he's in a bar and for some reason somebody's pulled a gun on him and he talks to these fellow mercenaries and uh, he wants to be recruited by them. He really needs the credits real bad. And it turns out that the security on the planet is actually looking for them uh, or looking for him rather, looking for valence. And the leader of this group, uh, Cavanus, he tells him, hey, uh, I really need, I need the credits, Cavanus. And Cavanus responds, well, how desperate are you and how good are you? Uh, there's an anonymous tip that there's some cyborg in this cantina who's working for the huts and they're, they're going to come and, and look for him. And so tell you what, meet us at the port and you can join the team, you know, if you can make it there. So basically they sort of, they sort of set, um, they sort of set valence up. It's not a hundred percent obvious yet, but it will be in a minute um, that they set him up and they want to see how, how formidable valence is. So there's a battle between valence and, and the security guards. And, you know, he tells them that, I really don't want to fight you. How about if we don't do this? And of course they say, no, you know, come with us. And uh, one of them calls him a cyborg and he kind of goes rage, uh, full on rage and uh, basically takes him down. So it's pretty, it's a pretty good fight scene. Uh, the coloring is especially good. Um, and he, he takes him out relatively easily. And remember he has the advantage of, you know, all the mechanical and, you know, extra strength that all that stuff offers him. So then we flash back to the present, but again, you know, there's nothing here that tells us we're in the present. That's the end of the flashback for now. But okay, but I guess we see we're back in the ship, and um, they're still being fired upon. And Denegar's like, "Come on, you know, you got to do something. Um, he's going to hit something important pr pretty soon." And uh, Denegar, maybe because Han Solo is such a, um, a hero of his, and maybe he heard about it, he decides to pull a Han Solo in uh, Empire Strikes Back and swerve the ship into an asteroid field. And Denegar's like, what the hell are you doing, dude? You're, you're swerving into an asteroid field, trying to get us killed. And uh, momentarily, they're able to kind of get out of range of uh, Forlom and, uh, and Zuckus. And they say, see, we're fine. There's even some of the, the worms that, you know, we've, we saw that the Millennium Falcon uh, flew into, giant space worms and whatnot. But it doesn't take too long before they're being blasted on again by Zuckus and Forlom. And Denegar's had enough. And he basically whacks uh, he whacks the valence in the back of the head and kind of knocks him out. Says, from now on, I'm going to do the talking. Like, he doesn't like the way things are going. Obviously, he's not looking to get killed. Um, and so I, I guess valence, as he's kind of there, groggy, it flashes back again. Uh, but there's nothing to indicate that. There's no then. Um, but we're at the spaceport on that island, and here's where we find out, because Cavanus tells him, um, as, uh, as Vainless catches up to him, he sees he killed one of the guards that's there in the spaceport, and, uh, and Vainless is like, you killed a guard, that's going to put the heat on us. And Cavanus says, not us, on the cyborg, who already made a big scene at the, the cantina. 
And that's where he, uh, Valence realizes you, you set me up. And he said, yeah, uh, I did. And now, so I suggest you help us kill our target and then take your credits and get the hell off this planet as fast as you can. So, uh, Valence already, you know, always being manipulated. Maybe he's a little naive at this point. So they set up, they've got a, a, you know, a team and they've got snipers all around, but Valence doesn't know at this point who uh, the target is. So then we see down in the area where they're all looking, we see Han Solo and Chewbacca. And that's when, you know, kind of the light bulb goes on and you realize, oh, wait, the target is Han Solo. And that shocks Valence, right? He's got history with Han Solo. And again, this is something, if you haven't read the previous issues of Bounty Hunters, you're lost. And and this was the thing that I was most curious about. I wanted to know, like, okay, wh- why does Valence care about Han Solo? Like, what's going on? So I didn't know this. It must be in some comics somewhere or in some novels or something. But apparently Han Solo at one point was in the Imperial Navy. Well... Valence comes from a very poor background. He, he was born on a mining planet, kind of very similar to Luke Skywalker, where he, he comes from nothing. He was very ambitious. It was always his goal to be the best pilot in the Navy and eventually be an admiral and, and uh, command a Star Destroyer and everything. And he was well on his way to doing that. He was the best pilot. He was the number one cadet. And they were on a mission. And Han Solo was on that mission as well. So uh, Valence was flying a TIE fighter. Han Solo was flying another sort of ship. There was six or seven others in various ships. And uh, there was an there was an accident during the battle. And Valence was basically, he crashed onto the planet. And he was attacked by the people that lived on the planet. That's how he lost his eye. And then th- because of the injuries that he had, and the, um, uh, the Empire wouldn't treat him or heal him because they were like, they, they felt that the accident was his fault and they're like, well, we're not going to s- spend money on any sort of good cybernetic upgrades for you. We're giving you the junk because you're only suited for infantry now. And so then he felt betrayed by, by the empire. But the only reason he even survived is because Han Solo and a bunch of his, uh, and a bunch of Valence's other friends from the Imperial Navy went back for him. They went back and rescued him from the natives that were attacking him that had injured him. And, you know, they're really the ones that caused most of the injury. He wasn't that messed up from the crash. It was after when all these aliens were attacking them and Valence was surprised. He, he says in that moment, Oh, the, I can't believe the empire sent you back for me. And Han Solo goes, the empire didn't send us. We came on our own. You're our friend. And so that's where the connection is. That's why Valence feels he owes Han. Um, that's why he feels he owes Han here and why he, he's after Boba Fett to rescue Han because he, he feels like without Han Solo, he wouldn't even have a life. So through the years, one other thing I'll say about Valence is through the years, he has swapped out a lot of his cybernetic parts for upgrades for better parts. Uh, that's kind of what he spent his credits on that he earns from doing bounty hunting just to become a little more powerful. He's got the ability to, to fire like a blaster you know, like a laser blast from each of his hands. Um, and so he's pretty formidable, you know, he's stronger than an average person, but that's the background. That's why uh, he feels this loyalty to Han Solo because Han saved his life basically. Uh, and I, I had no clue and I didn't even know Han was in uh, the Imperial Navy, but that, that's where the, the connection comes from. 
So uh, on the next page, we flash back to current time. We see Valence kind of uh, knocked out in the background and uh, Zuckus and Forlom are kind of closing in. And Denegar's like, where's the communication switch? And he's, he's trying to make his own deal. And he finally is able to, to find it. And he starts talking to the guys and um, he's trying to make a deal. He's like, I got something to offer you. And they're like, we don't have any interest in making a deal with any Valence's friends. And Denegar's like, he's, he's no friend of mine. That poodoo, he calls him, is no friend of mine. Um, but I do have information that's, that's worth more than what this criminal organization, uh, which is uh, called the Unbroken Clan, is offering you much more. And so, you know, these guys, they're, they're bounty hunters, you know, they work for dollars. And so if this guy's going to offer them more, then maybe they'll listen. So then we flash back again on the next page. Um, and what actually happens is there's supposed to be a countdown and everybody's supposed to fire at Han at, uh, at the same time to take him out. And uh, Valence fires, fires early and purposely misses and hits another one of the assassins, which gives uh, Han and Chewie kind of the, uh, you know, gives them warning that they need to to kind of run off. So uh, Han and Chewie are able to sort of fight off the uh, the few mercenaries that are left, and then uh, Cavanus attacks Valence because he realizes you, you you know you've betrayed us. I don't know what your problem is, but um, you know. Let me disarm you, take your rifle, and I'll shoot Han Solo myself and uh, and take the bounty for myself because all the other snipers are dead now. So great. It's more money for me. That's, you know, a typical bounty hunter um, kind of logic there, right? Like, I don't now I don't have to share it. It's great. And so he throws Valence over the edge and uh, Valence kind of lands down on the landing pad. And when he stands up, Han sees him like, Valence? What are... Like, what are you doing here? And Han you know, flips out. And Valence is trying to explain. I wasn't going to do it. I didn't know. And Han's yelling at him. I saved your life. I thought you were, you were my friend. What, you know, what happened? And Chewie's like, we got to get out of here. He grabs Han, uh, Han and runs him up into the Millennium Falcon. And they take off as Valence watches him fly away. Um, you know, kind of forlorn that he didn't get to explain himself to his friend. You know, like maybe his his debt would have been paid. Now he's he's more in debt. You know, he almost killed the guy that um that saved his life and so meanwhile back in uh, in present time valence has regained consciousness he sees that dengar is talking to these other two uh mercenaries the other two bounty hunters like what are, what are, what are you doing dengar he's like uh i'm i'm saving our lives so shut up uh and so so basically what he's offering to um to zusk uh, zuckus and uh and Forlom is he's like, look, Jabba the Hutt has put a massive bounty on on Han, not only Han Solo, but Boba Fett as well, right? And this all goes back to the fact that Boba Fett was supposed to have brought Han already, but he hasn't shown up. Bib Fortuna got suspicious, and we know that the reason Boba Fett hasn't shown up is because the body of Han and the Carbonite got stolen. So now there's actually a bounty out for Boba Fett and for Han. And so... You know, these two guys, they're, they're, they're savvy, right? Zucas and Forlum, they're like, yeah, we, we know all about the big bounty on Boba Fett. But, you know, the amount of fuel and the time, it's not an efficient use of our resources to go, you know, hunting around when we have no idea where to start, as opposed to let's just get take the bird in hand and take out Valence and, 
you know, find this girl that we're, we're looking for. And, uh, and Denegar's like, yeah, but how many of those people out there hunting know where Boba Fett is right now? And so then the, the two are like, oh, well, that kind of changes things, right? So Valence is pissed off. He's like, I can't believe you transmitted the coordinates to them. You told uh, these two guys that Boba Fett is on Nar Shaddaa. And Denegar's like, look, um, you think I agreed to join you out of the kindness of my heart? It, it's a really big bounty. And I mean a really big one. And every bounty hunter in the galaxy is going to be after Fett because of the price on his head. So, um, you know, all these people are going to be joining. And it was the one way that I could get those two guys off our backs. But if you don't help me get this ship going, you know, we're going to be late to the party because there's going to be all these other people that are joining the hunt for their own reasons. And as he says that, we see Bib Fortuna and Bosk. And Bosk is sort of Jabba's, become Jabba's personal bounty hunter. So, you know, if Bosk is able to capture Boba Fett, that saves Jabba a bunch of money. Um, we see these two females and uh, the female on the left is actually, her name's Tonga. And she's actually the sister of Tongar. And he was one of the bounty hunters that got killed on that initial mission where the guy was trying to go assassinate his girlfriend. And so she's out to kill Boba Fett because she found out from Lash that it was actually Boba Fett's fault that uh, that her brother got killed. Even though Lash did what she did, uh, Tongar still would have lived if it wasn't for Boba. What Boba Fett did, um, basically, Boba Fett got in a. He, Boba Fett was like, "This mission's, you know, all foobar," and he was just going to abandon them all. And he kind of got in a little bit of a um, a scuffle with Valence and. Boba Fett is the one that actually shot her brother. So she's after Boba Fett for revenge. And the other girl with the pink hair is actually her wife. And then uh, obviously we see Dengar there on the bottom. We see Boba Fett. We see Boba Fett's ship. So uh, much like we were talking about earlier uh, when we did Alpha about how there's all these different storylines. It's very much a planes, trains, and automobiles. Boba Fett's about to have a really bad day. He's got a lot of really formidable, dangerous sometimes immoral people after them who, uh, you know, they're going to shoot first and, and uh, ask questions later. So uh, it's all to be continued in Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, number one. And again, uh, you get a lot more out of this if you've read all of the previous issues of Star Wars Bounty Hunters, but I don't necessarily expect people uh, to do that. And, and that is part of the, the reason why uh, this is kind of the weakest of the three so far. And it's not to say that it's bad, um, but it, it does require some other knowledge of what's going on. Because like I said, once I had read, once I went back and read the first 11 issues, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I get what this is all doing. And it kind of makes sense. But, you know, previous to that, you're kind of just flailing around, not really sure what exactly is going on. So, uh, it is a little bit, uh, challenging in that respect. Uh, we do get a text page from the writer, Ethan Sachs, and he, he does talk a little bit about, uh, valence, uh, that's what I was talking about earlier, how the, the, the bounty hunter debuted in the pages of uh, Marvel Star Wars in 78, actually while the original movie was still in theaters. So uh, you can read that and learn a little bit more about, about Valence from that. And then we do have the, uh, the reading order with the first three checked off that have come out. And then uh, on the final page, we get a, a preview of issue 13. Obviously that will come next month after the issue has sort of um, 
or the the event rather has sort of kicked off properly with the the first issue and whatnot. And obviously Valence runs into to Chewbacca and Chewbacca. I don't know how much Chewie knows about Valence and his history with Han. You, you got to think he knows the story. Um, so that could be uh, pretty interesting as well. So, um, so that's the issue. I thought the art was really solid and um, I just think it's unfortunate that you, you get so much more out of it. If you've read star Wars bounty hunters, um, if you haven't read any of star Wars bounty hunters and you haven't picked this up, I don't know that I would say that it's a must read. Uh, it might like Charles soul said, it might enrich the stories you're going to get. I certainly think if you go back and you do read star Wars bounty hunters one to through 11, you not only are you going to get more out of this issue, you're going to get more out of, you know, the bounty war of the bounty hunters, because I mean, it's right there in the title, right? It's the war of the bounty hunters. A lot of these bounty hunters, you're going to get a lot of information from the star Wars bounty hunter title. So if you're really gung ho about it, I would suggest to read uh, War of the Bounty Hunters, uh, the series, or uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunters, the series. And, you know, they're not, these aren't like really high demand, expensive comics. Uh, I imagine your comic shop probably has most of them on the rack still, um, or you can get them digitally. They're not, you know, super expensive. I imagine uh, because it's up to issue 12, the first six of them are probably on Marvel Unlimited by this point. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty solid, but yeah, just, I almost felt like I read two different comics. The one that I struggled to get through Wednesday. And then the one I read re, when I reread it after having all the backstory and context, it was so much better. So I don't know, man, Hear, hearing those, those bits of information, does it make more sense to you now? Well, I mean, yeah, it makes a little bit more sense, but I almost have taken into effect what you said earlier about, uh, the pacing of it and see and, and knowing that the rest of the series is actually paced that way. It's almost like an acquired taste. And, and I guess I don't, I don't really get that here. Um, it, I mean, it, yeah, it does make a little bit more sense, but it, it doesn't really change my opinion of, of the overall book where, where it, this is the first time I also questioned, you know, was this really necessary reading? Like what, what a, what about this is really going to be part of of uh, of the war of the bounty hunters, other than just another group of people who are on their way to mess with Boba Fett? Um, so he's, he's got he's got a lot of things coming to him. Um, so it was it was I mean it was okay. The art the art was the art was good. I had to agree with you on that um, as well. So you know, there's there's like really not much to say about this issue that there's nothing necessarily special about it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with you about the way that it's paced, and I'll go back to one of my my earlier comments. Like, here's the thing: when you when you think about it, and when you look objectively at all the Star Wars books, or most of them, I mean, I haven't read every single Star Wars issue that Marvel's put out, but I've read some. And oftentimes you get these jumps, right? So that choppiness that you were talking about. But when it's when it's characters we know and it's happening in a time frame that we're familiar with, it's okay to kind of skip stuff, right? And what I mean by that is so when, when Marvel relaunched Star Wars, the initial series was taking place between 
episode four and episode five. So it was taking place between Star Wars. I refuse to call it a new hope. It was taking place <laughs> between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Right. And so, you know, people kind of wondered. I even questioned it. I'm like, how good is this series going to be? What can you really do? You can't do anything super impactful because we already know where the characters have to be when Empire Strikes Back starts. Right. But it was solid. I mean, Jason Aaron, I think, did a, did a pretty good job. Um, but e even if it jumped around, right, we knew, we still knew, we had in the back of our mind, we know who these characters are and we know where they're going to end up. So you can, it's easier to fill in the blanks. And so going back to what I said, you know, Manny talked about it being choppy and I talked about not having context. Um, it feels less choppy to me now because I do have some context because I've read the first 11 issues of, of Bounty Hunters now, but it still jumps around. And I don't mean just this particular issue. I mean, there are still gaps, right? Throughout the entire series, issues one through 12 of Bounty Hunters, there are gaps where I don't still, I mean, I may have whatever context Ethan Sachs has given me as the writer of this series to kind of fill in the blanks, but I don't know these characters the way I know Lei and uh, Leia and Han mm -hmm. and Chewie you know, and Yoda, you know, which allows me to, to fill in the gaps easier because I have the knowledge. Um, a perfect example of what I'm talking about is in this issue, we just talked about it, where Valence is on that planet where Han is uh, getting his ship refueled and he's in that bar and the guy's pointing a gun at his head, right? I, I talked about it when I went over the issue. We have no idea how Valence got there, why a gun is to the back of his head, why these guys appear to trust. Like if I was Valence, wait, these guys have a gun on me and then they turn around and they're going to trust me to be part of their, they're going to give me a gun and trust me to be a part of their sniper team. Like something doesn't compute there, right? We have no backstory. Like where, so where was Valence before that? We, again, if you've read the first 11 issues, you know uh, about Valence and being in the Navy and uh, Imperial Navy and getting hurt and becoming a cyborg. But, but then that's it. Like, I, I don't know how he got away from the Navy. I, I don't know what he did in the meantime. I don't know how he ended up. On, so there's so many gaps. Um, and so when you flash back to do these things, it's like, there's no context. So even though I got a greater amount of context by reading the first 11 issues, I didn't get everything. Um, and again, the Star Wars universe, it's, it's vast and I don't consume it all. And maybe if I did, I would know more about Valence. Um, and maybe it's been fleshed out in a, a novel or another comic book series somewhere. Um, and the crazy thing is uh, Dark Horse had the, the license for 25 years, I think, for Star Wars. And they did tons of miniseries. And then that all got thrown out. <laughs> and so even with all that material thrown out, there's still so much between you know, the novels and video games and, and whatnot. So, I mean, maybe one of you out there listening to this or watching this on YouTube knows more than me about Valence and you know how he ended up on that planet or whatnot. But when you're, when you're doing a tie-in for, a, you know, um, an event where a lot of people are, you know, just jumping on going, oh, I love Boba Fett. I love Bounty Hunters. And I've only seen the Star Wars theatrical movies and nothing else you're going to be lost if you try to read this. Cause I mean, that's basically what I'm coming to it as right. Like, yes, I've read some of the comics, but I haven't even seen the Mandalorian or bad bunch or clone wars or any of that. 
I've seen the nine movies and that's it. And I haven't even seen, and I, I guess I saw Rogue One, but I haven't even seen Han Solo. So, you know, and I, I'm not blaming Ethan Sachs because obviously you want to give something to the hardcore Star Wars fans as well. But I'm just saying that, you know, they're as a, as a tie-in, I could see why this one may be kind of tough to understand and to gain context. So hopefully if you're one of those people that were like, what the heck's going on in this issue? And you found this video on YouTube. Welcome to the comic source, first of all. Uh, second of all, I hope that this kind of uh, review, you know, and recap of what's going on in the issue gives you enough context that you can understand what was going on in the series and, or the issue and add to the enjoyment for the events coming up. You know, like you're going to have more context of who these characters are. And the other thing, man, is I wonder, like, if we're going to get so we've what this issue really does is it does give us a lot of the players who we're going to have. We're going to have Zukis and Forlome. We're going to have Denegar and Valence. We're going to have uh, Tonga and her wife. We're going to have Bosk and Bib Fortuna. So we're going to have all of them in the the regular in the regular event series in Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters number one. So I got to think Charles Soule is going to somehow recap or drop some knowledge or I don't know, giant text page because you, you are going to have people and Charles Soule said it himself that you could just read the main six issue miniseries and understand and get a lot out of the story. He, he said you didn't even have to read the preludes if you didn't want to. So he must be planning on dropping that knowledge somehow, right? I mean, yeah. It's just, there's just a lot. To, and uh, so some of the things that are just a little bit unfamiliar just, just take a little bit longer to, to just really soak in while some of the other books were the familiar familiar jesus familiar <clears throat> familiar familiar it's not gonna work it's just not gonna work i, I don't know if you had to drink tonight. i'm broken <laughs> um, familiarity there it is there you go um it's just easier to deal with but you know if it's gonna if it's gonna make for a better complete story then sure yeah i mean i agree with you and i, I do I do think it's definitely worth reading. Um, if you're going to go all in on this story, mm -hmm. like go ahead and, and, you know, take a shot at it. Um, Cause I, I, again, I think the art is, is, is really good. Uh, so that, that does help out. And I don't know, I, I did enjoy it. Um, and I'm glad I enjoyed it more after I went back and reread everything like i mentioned but i i do recognize that 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 is a little bit of an issue um i'm gonna share my screen again and uh that is a little bit of an issue for some people because they might not necessarily have the the uh the pocketbook to do that you know but again when we talk when we're talking art i think especially the colors uh are fantastic you know you get these reds on um denegar and Valence's ship when they're in deep, tr deep trouble, basically. Um, 
when uh, Valence is fighting, you get the uh, sort of the, the feel that he's got those uh, cyborg powers when you see these uh, these fights, how, how he you know can take on you know five, six guys and mm-hmm. make it through the fight. The, the other thing that I want to point out is it's got to be a little tough to do facial expressions considering half of Valence's face is like this crazy evil looking Terminator thing, but uh, like uh, it looks like uh, um, Superman, Cyborg Superman. Cyborg Superman, yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree, but I think Paulo uh, Villanella does it does a great job, um, especially when in that scene down there where he realizes it's Han for the first time, and then when he sees Han, uh, just the look on his face in that upper right panel where he's like, "Oh man, I you know I didn't mean to." Uh, and even Han's face, how angry Han is. Like, I saved your life. What the hell are you doing? You know, what happened to you? Um, and that that's a great shot, too, like that full page. Um, and we don't even get a facial expression from uh, Valence, but that that's just a great shot, looking up at the Millennium Falcon um, mm-hmm. flying away. And even without seeing Valence's face, you just know that he's got this look of despondency on his face, like this look of complete defeat, like, oh man, this guy saved my life. I owe him. And he thinks I just tried to kill him, you know? So yeah, I, th- I think the art is, uh, is really spectacular uh, in this book. So, uh, so kudos to the art team, uh, Paulo Vianella, fantastic. Arif Prianto on the colors. I mean, he, Arif is, is great, just about everything he does. Previously, he's done a lot of work for uh, for DC. So, uh, so yeah, wasn't wasn't the best, um, and you know we'll hope to we'll hope to need less context on the next one. It's Darth Vader. So again, we we all know Darth Vader, so we shouldn't have as much <laughs> of an issue with with yeah. con- with context. Um, and, but again how much can you do in these stories? This is a flashback also. Um, so if you read the solicit, it says Darth Vader's body and status are restored, but his thoughts drift to the past when he first hunted Han Solo after the smuggler defied him at the Death Star. So what exactly is the time frame for that? Defied him at the Death Star? Is that when, um, is that after Han shot him? Like when he was in the trench and he went spinning off and then he was looking for Han. Like when, when exactly is that? Or was it when Han, uh, you know, first rescued Leia and he was hunting, they were hunting for every, they had the tracker on the Millennium Falcon and tracked it to Yavin to blow up that planet where the, the rebels had their base. So not sure, um, but looking forward to it. And again, I, I don't think we'll have as much context issues just because we all sort of know who Darth Vader is uh, at this point. So uh, anyway, I think that's it. Got anything else to add, Manny? Look at us covering Star Wars books. <laughs> I, know. I know. It just, yeah. When the fact that I read 11 books to get content, I was like, oh my God, there really are a lot of, I mean, you've, you've got the regular Star Wars book. You got Darth Vader. You got Dr. Afro. You got bounty hunters. And then there's any number of, um, miniseries going on at different times. There's been a C-3PO miniseries, Princess Leia one, a Darth Maul. Uh, I think there was mm-hmm. a dro- I think there was a droids one. So yeah, yeah there's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think there was even um, there was even an uh, like a P- 
Padawan one that might have had uh, like Anakin before he was Vader, I think. But yeah, Marvel's yeah, and rightly so. But again, it, I mean, if you want to go back and they've had the license now for I think six years. I think they got it in 2014. They got it back. So yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of sense that they would. I mean, if you're going to have the license, might as well use it. Um, but this is really their first giant event that's crossing over into everything, which is why we we, we like we said on previous episodes we've been talking about covering star wars for a while uh, so we thought this was the perfect time to jump on so uh we hope you guys all enjoyed it uh again if you haven't picked up the issue it's not 100 percent necessary you probably can get by with just our recap that we that we gave you uh but if you have picked it up and you're confused we hope that this uh this recap helped you out so i uh, want to thank everybody for listening as always and we will talk to you next time you can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe, and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash the comic source. Do a search for the comic source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening and we'll talk to you next time.